Sony. Hello, Canada. Today's date is May 14th, 2023. Happy People Who Support You Day. No, no, that's not it. Screw you, East Kildonan and Collegiate and, and Winnipeg. Happy Those Who Support Children Day. No, no, no. Screw you, Random School in Toronto. Happy Mother's Day, Canada. Eight billion people in the world, each one of them born to a mother, a female mother. So happy Mother's Day to all, whether you choose to celebrate or not. Enjoy your special day. Yeah. Happy Birthing People's Day. Happy um, Birthing People's Day. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, Tony I, in Saskatchewan. Yeah, this is Lewis out here in BC. <laughs> How's it going, my friend? Well, you know, it was going well until you brought up those schools. Um, <laughs> the, it's so crazy. I mean... You know, there's there's a an old Joe Rogan joke, right? And he says, he says, uh, you know, his mother came to him and said, you know, that you know, when during the 2016 election, you know, that she was going to vote for Hillary because it was time for a female president, and and uh, and he said, you give birth you create every single human being every single one what more do you want <laughs> and, <laughs> and so yes it, it's you know it's funny because like there's so many people that that get mad at you for celebrating the fact that women give birth and that there's so many women that, that only value themselves based on whether they can do something a man can do. Well, guess what? There's something a man will never do, and that's give birth. You should be celebrating that. Yep, absolutely. You should be, you should be celebrating the fact that only women can actually make people. So, you know, we, we love our moms because without them, we're not here. Yep, that's right. Um, all right, so a couple housekeeping notes to get the show started, Canada. And, well, the Stanley Cup. Uh, thanks to listener Ashley. Ashley wrote in uh, after our last episode. Hey, guys, yeah, a couple of morons. 2021, Montreal Canadiens played Tampa for the Stanley Cup final in one of those COVID bubbles that hardly anybody watched and yours truly didn't pay attention to. So, uh, well, thank you for that, Ashley. Whoops. The last Canadian team to make the big dance was the Habs. Now, uh, Ashley outed herself as a Habs fan, and I don't know why anybody would do that. But, uh, but hey, good on you guys. Well, <laughs> that didn't count. <laughs> Sorry, Ashley, but that doesn't count. the the <laughs> COVID The COVID bubble year did not count. Sorry. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Well, on Friday, I was celebrating the fact that it was Leafs Elimination Day. So um, that's <laughs> the Leafs are gone. Yay. <laughs> no, sorry, I, sorry, Ontario listeners, but it's a happy day. Yeah. No, I actually read uh, 
a meme that got put up. It said, it said, this is our Stanley Cup. We had two more wins than usual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and uh, but I, uh, you know, I, I know the Oilers didn't do great in that last game, but I think they're still going to win this series. So let's go Oilers. Well, and you know, and I, uh, I wanted to reach out to Aaron O'Toole and see if he would now call Edmonton Canada's team. But then I thought, nah, he'll, let's just leave him under the rock of irrelevance where he currently sits. So, yeah, he, he's leaving anyway, so. Yeah, exactly. So uh, one more housekeeping note. The nominations have now closed for the by-election for the mayor of Toronto race. There are 102 candidates looking to replace John Tory. And we're going to talk about one of them on the show, but uh, you know, Toronto, you got your work cut out for you. Please ignore 98 of those candidates and just focus on the couple that might actually win. <laughs> yeah, good, good luck to you. Yeah, 102 candidates. Well, hey, I guess everybody wants to be mayor of Canada's biggest city. So um, good on all 102. Of you, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep, yeah, that'll be a mess to sort out. But uh, you know, it's, I mean, being mayor of Toronto does lead to you know higher office, right? So, I guess there's a lot of people who want to be in higher office. Well, yeah, that's that's true. That's a good point. So, uh, okay, so on the show today, run, Maxime, run. Digital currency. Well, what digital currency? We got our new passport. Speaking of mayors, possible mayors of Toronto and more, where do you want to start, sir? Well, let's start with the new passports because there's a little bit of confusion I think I need to clear up. Well, I, uh, I, I gotta, I'll even start the conversation by saying, I'm glad you were wrong. There are no pictures of drag queens in the new passport. I don't know that I actually said that, but okay. <laughs> I think you just, you said you wouldn't be surprised if there were, I think. Was, if, oh, was there, yes. yes. <laughs> but yeah, our new passport is out. Um, on last week's show, the latest we had had was that they would be sort of dripping it out and then would be revealed in July, but then they decided... Oh, no, we're done. We're just revealing it now. So it's still a blue cover, not liberal red, that has Canada's coat of arms and then a maple leaf on the front. Uh, has the same on the inside page. And then, wow, all sorts of really milk toast nature scenes. Ski hill, squirrel eating a nut, wildlife, cattails, kids jumping into a pond canoeing ice fishing wow how canadian how canadian is that yeah and they're all kind of like this abstract well not really abstract looking but they're they're it, it's almost like that that art they used to make with cut out construction paper you know like it's all actually yeah it's all flat it's all muted tones it's all um you know, there's no detail. It's, uh, you know, the kids don't have faces. Um, you know, it's it's that kind of, uh, you know, it, it, we used to do this in elementary school. We used to cut out shapes out of construction paper and glue them together to make scenes, right? And that's that's what it looks like. 
Yeah, like the owls, especially. And then uh, the narwhal is, is almost, uh, the narwhal looks kind of weird. It's like a cup with a stick, basically. But yeah, uh, but yeah that's a narwhal, I, I guess. It's, uh, they could have made some better choices, in my opinion. Well, I mean, it, it, it looks as if they're just trying not to offend anybody. Yeah. Right? And it's like, because the old passport, you know, it had Terry Fox. It had uh, um, uh, it had uh, Vimy Ridge. It had, you know, it had uh, Nellie McClung. It had all these important figures and and uh, events from Canadian history in the passport, like these photos, right? Um, and the new one. It's just like you said. It's milk toast. It's it's boring. It's blah. There's just nothing there. There's nothing of importance. It's it's uh, it's as if they're just trying not to offend anybody. Like I I don't know who the hell is offended by, you know, uh, Terry Fox or Nellie McClung. I mean, I mean, I guess Nellie McClung would offend, you know, sexists, but. <laughs> other than that I, I don't know who the hell anybody who i don't know how I, anybody would be offended by any of those photos that used to be in the passport but now we've got something that is so vanilla it's 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 actually kind of embarrassing yeah well and i noticed that uh, when you flip it open on page one i guess it's got well I think it's a deer. It could be an elk. It's hard because, like you yeah. say, they're so abstract. It's hard to tell with the coat of arms there. Then uh, on the personal identification page where your photo goes, and that's where you get to see snowflakes. Because yeah. what's more Canadian than snowflakes, I guess? And a maple leaf. So, I mean, it's very, very Canadian. And, you know, symbols that represent Canada as it is today. So, uh, excellent work, Trudeau government. Excellent. Yeah. But now there was a little bit of confusion when we talked about it last week, when I said that I would love to see just a credit card sized um, passport that you could just carry in your wallet, you know, that yeah, won't be sure Trevor was sure mad at you. Yeah. Boy, Trevor, that was mean. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I, I do, I'm not calling for a digital ID. That is not what I'm calling for. I am calling for a credit card sized passport, period. Something that'll fit in my wallet that I can carry with me. And I never even, it never even has to leave my body. And it's easy to carry in a foreign country, you know, all of that. The, the, the current passport is big. It's, it's, uh, you know, it only fits, it doesn't fit in your wallet. You got to have, you know, when you're in a different country, you got to either, you know, leave it in the safe in your hotel room or, uh or carry it in a passport you know holder that goes under your shirt or something so you know it doesn't get but if you keep if you can keep it in your wallet and keep it in your in your pocket like what's wrong with that i mean i'm not calling for a digital id the the thing is is that your current passport i don't know if you've ever traveled but when you go to you know when you get to customs in another country they swipe that passport and all your information comes up on the computer screen. So what's the difference? There's no difference. 
like the the all your information you know whether there's warrants out for your arrest all of that stuff it comes up on the computer screen it's how you keep criminals and undesirables out of your country that's the purpose of a passport so if the passport if you if it's just the size of a credit card and you can keep it in your wallet and it won't get damaged from getting water on it then why not true although uh Apparently, our new passport, uh, the pages are of that plastic blend where they should not be susceptible to water damage. At least that's what I've read. But you're right. When you go to a foreign country, um, they'll usually just they'll either swipe it or else they'll just like shoot it with the gun to scan it. You know, with the little scan gun, not an actual gun, folks. It's okay. We'll talk about those too. But they, uh, but you're right. They. Uh, very rarely have I actually had my passport stamped the last few times I've traveled. So it would essentially be like using, um, like tapping your your debit card when you're going to a store. They just would take look at your look at your card. You probably have to show some ID, but it's definitely not a digital ID. Trevor Lewis is not in favor of the digital ID. So. Uh, misunderstanding i guess but yeah trevor was not not thrilled with you he wrote in right away with uh what's lewis talking about a digital id we're not going down that road and, but no 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 we're definitely not going down that road <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah no difference it's all i'm asking for is just something that i can carry in my wallet no difference in how it works yeah well actually now that you've brought that up i have it's not the worst idea because like i have an rfid uh, blocking wallet so yeah. then would uh help me not get you know any passport abroad if i was abroad because nobody wants to walk by and scan me in the, the market well you're not going to get any luck no exactly i mean i carry an rfid wallet as well so yeah all right so <laughs> Anyway, enjoy your new passport, Canada. One thing I thought was kind of curious, uh, it was the, the pictures I got were kind of small, but it appears that we still have the old crown on top of our coat of arms on our passports. So uh, perhaps they rushed it just a little bit and weren't able to get the Trudeau crown on there because perhaps it wasn't ready yet. So it just seemed I was, uh, well, I was happy to see the Trudeau crown not on our passport, but perhaps going forward when they make new ones it'll it'll be switched who knows yeah i'm i'm kind of happy about that because new trudeau crown looks a little cartoonish yep it really does and uh apparently there's a precedent for the whole snowflake thing because uh there was a pendant given to queen elizabeth that was uh it was a snowflake but like i'm just thought i'm not buying it i'm not buying the new design um, no me neither sorry not sorry nope Okay, so from passports, well, let's actually go right to the digital currency since we were touching on digital ID and lack thereof. Now, the Bank of Canada has been tasked by the federal government to just come up with some ideas for an alternative digital currency. Of course, they wanted to make certain we know, no, no, cash is not going anywhere anytime soon. We can still use cash, but we just want to develop this digital currency just because well i tell you i'm suspicious well yeah they're saying oh yeah we don't need a digital currency right now the government's not asking us to develop one but we're going to develop one just in case it's needed and it can be implemented 
quickly. Well, why? Why I mean, is the best question? I mean, one of the things about this digital currency they're saying is that it'll operate when there's a power outage, which I don't understand how that works. Um, if there's no power, how does anything digital work? Well, I was wondering that too. Like they said, yeah, power outage or internet outage, which are one of the, I guess, go hand in hand. And I thought, okay, if you don't have internet and you don't have power, then how are you able to access, yeah, you know, like you say, anything digital? So I don't, I don't really get how they see that being foolproof. Like I, they didn't, you know, mention any kind of a fail safe. They just sort of threw it out there that, oh yeah, it'll be safe when there's no power. Um, well, actually, now I've been thinking about. It. I was just thinking about it this last like twenty six seconds that you've been talking, and I think I know what it is because a digital currency like Bitcoin you can carry on a thumb drive or on your phone, right? So if if the power is out, you can still buy something if it's if the money is on your phone because you can just transfer it to someone else's phone. Oh, okay. I didn't but, know that. Yeah, so that's that's how it would work um but i'm sorry it's not worth the risks that come along with it no definitely is not now uh the government actually has already made at least a reference to the digital currency of their own i know that when i saw there was uh right all the time that the strike went on with cra they were talking about perhaps using govcoin to disperse people's income tax returns. They would be a dove coin guaranteed by the government that one could utilize in the same way you would utilize Bitcoin. And I just said, well, I had to pay in this year, but hard pass, no thank you. Yeah, no, I mean, like, there's risks that come along with these digital currencies. And I mean, you look at China, China has a digital currency now. and the thing that's happening over there and this is real people like this is actually happening this is not sci-fi this is not a conspiracy theory this is actually happening in china if the chinese government does not like what you had to say on say wechat which is the chinese equivalent to uh i believe twitter um the government can just stop your ability to spend your money at certain places. Like you can't buy a train ticket or you can't buy a plane ticket because you're not allowed to leave the city you're in. Um, your, your digital currency will not operate outside of the city, outside of city limits or whatever. Like they can actually do that to you. And they do it based on what they call a, uh, a credit score, a social credit score. And that social credit score is based on how supportive or how, you know, whatever you are of the Chinese Communist Party. And it's so it's it's pretty dangerous because it gives the government the ability to actually be able to stop you from spending your money or traveling or whatever. I mean, there, say what you will about the tyrannical efforts of the Trudeau government, but they can't stop me from driving across the country and paying for gas. They cannot stop me from, uh, you know, buying a, a WestJet plane ticket and flying across to Montreal or something like that. They 
I mean, they could put me on a no-fly list or something like that, which I wouldn't be surprised because I'm such a danger. And um, but, and they could stop me from leaving the country by revoking my passport, but they can't stop me from spending my money. Yeah, that's true. Now, the UK actually even took this one step further, and their central bank was talking about, or the exchequer, I guess, is who their, uh, their, their, their head banker is, talking about a programmable digital currency. So not only could they stop you from spending your own money outside of your neighborhood, they could stop you from, say, buying a firearm, or stop you from buying gas so you you couldn't leave your neighborhood and they could decide, oh, well, we don't think you need to buy that new TV. So now that's out. And that's what scares the hell out of me. And this is the UK talking about it. I imagine if I imagine China hearing that and thinking, yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's the thing is, is that everybody like this is one more thing that I get called a conspiracy theorist about. Just one more thing. Even though the same people who call me a conspiracy theorist about this are the same people who are calling me a conspiracy theorist about all kinds of stuff during the past three years, and I proved them all wrong. And they and they still don't believe anything that's coming out of my mouth, even though everything I said came true. Um, so, you know, haha, I was right. <laughs> um, but But here's the thing. With the digital currency, it gives the government even more control than they already have. And there's something that the government should never have, and that's control, <laughs> because they screw everything up. They, the there is nothing the government does well, and there's nothing the government does that they don't mess up. We know this to be true. We have talked about this many, many times on this show. And it's true. There is nothing the government does that doesn't get messed up. Um, and the reason is, is because government is just people. And there's this belief more on the left than on the right, though it does switch sides once in a while. Like, say, when we have a conservative party in power, people just people, conservatives are just all too willing to hand over uh, power and control to a government that is led by a conservative and that's wrong too and the thing is is that government like i said government is just people and if you look around at all the people you know in your life how many of them would you trust to be in control of your life <laughs> i'm i'm willing to think that you're probably going to be in that you know, realm of, um, well, nobody. And um, because that's where I would be, uh, nobody. Nobody in my life would I trust to be in control of my life outside of maybe my wife, but that's it. And, but people are all too willing to say, no, the government should have this power and this power and that power. Well, yeah, why? Like, why should the government have those powers? Why should they have that ability to over, like, to control you? I mean, they're just people, and people are corrupt. People are incompetent. People are bad. People, 
People are just people. There's nothing special about any of the people in government. Nothing. There's nothing special about them because they're just like the rest of us. Well, I wanted to believe they're just like the rest of us until just before we started the show. And you told me some things about the government and Bill C-21 that I didn't know. So they're definitely not like the rest of us. And how about you explain why? Well, Bill C-21, that is the uh, handgun freeze bill, um, which essentially is more of a handgun ban. Uh, it just it just means that the people who currently own handguns are the last people who will ever own handguns. Um, and but they've but the, what what the government's been doing, and we we talked about this at length last fall, last winter, um, and this spring about how the how they snuck in this amendment that would ban all semi-automatic centerfire rifles and shotguns which many of them are very very common hunting firearms um and we you know between firearms owners across the country with, with letter writing campaigns and everything we defeated that uh that that amendment but there were something like 90 other amendments. And we weren't hearing about any of them because they were being debated in order and voted on in order. And uh, finally, the Liberal Party had said that they had had enough. There was gonna be no more voting or no more debate on any of the amendments. And there's still, I believe there was still like 50 amendments to go through. And so the, they said, nope, we're ending debate now. And now the speed voting begins. So all the remaining amendments were voted on in a marathon voting session. They weren't even, they weren't even describing what the amendment was when they were voting on it. They were just saying, all right, amendment, you know, one, two, three, four is up yay or you know all those in favor say yay all those against say nay you know and that's what it was nobody knows what amendments have been passed or what they mean for firearms owners now they actually have to go through everything now post voting to figure out what the hell they all voted for great and so now we don't know. We, we it's going to take a little while before we find out exactly what what they've actually voted for or voted against. And uh, so firearms owners are sitting here going, "I don't know what's happening. We do, we don't know what ha what's happening." And, and it's and it's crazy because like I know like I have a semi-automatic shotgun that is most likely going to be covered under this ban because they've they they did reintroduce uh, uh, a ban on centerfire semi-automatic rifles and shotguns and it was passed so i'm pretty sure that my shotgun is now illegal or will be illegal once the whole bill is passed by the senate um but 
yeah, we, we have no idea what's been voted on. We have no idea what's been passed. We have no idea how this affects firearms owners. I mean, this is a crazy thing, right? Like fire Canadian firearms owners, especially if you have a, a restricted uh, pal, like you and I do, um, we're the most vetted citizens of in Canada. Like we are vetted every 24 hours. Our names are put through the RCMP database every 24 hours to search for warrants or, or, uh, or anything else that could give the RCMP or other police forces the ability to come and just take our guns. Um, every 24 hours, our names are put through the RCMP database. And I mean, we're, we're vetted more often than RCMP officers. That's a good point. And RCMP officers carry a handgun for their job. And we're vetted more often than they are. And so, I mean, we're, we're, we're possibly the safest people. No, not possibly. Even StatCan's own stats show that, Can that, that Canadian, legally licensed Canadian firearms owners are the safest people in the country. I mean, it's yeah. just it's just a fact. We're three hundred percent less likely to commit a crime than those who do not legally own handguns or firearms of any kind. So yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, we're, we're criminals. Yeah, we're the ones who are getting punished. Yeah, I mean, I've got a, 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 on this ad nauseum for the past well three years since the 2020 May OIC ban. And um, it's just, I, 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 there's nothing left for me to say really. I mean, just repeating stuff I've said before, but I mean, judging by our listening, our listener numbers, there are, we have a lot more listeners than we did then. So <laughs> this might be the first time they're hearing this from me. So, but yeah, I mean, this is, it's just a ridiculous, this is a ridiculous attack on Canadian freedom, and we are not going to ever get it back. And I don't care if Pierre Poiliev wins the next election, we are not getting all of our rights that we have lost in the past three years back. We're just not. Um, I, I, like I said, I think I said this to you in a private message, Tony. I mean, it's, you, you, there's, you know, the the extreme narcissism of Justin Trudeau is what you know leads to him being a bad person, making bad, you know, uh, making decisions with bad intentions. Um, because that's what he is. He's not dumb. He's not incompetent. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's just a bad person. And I mean, yes. I agree, Pierre Polyev. I, I agree with Pierre Polyev's critics that he is a narcissist. Of course he is. Look at him. The way he talks, the way he carries himself, he is a narcissist. You can tell he enjoys the spotlight. That's that that's a narcissist. I just hope that he is that he will follow through on what he says that he will do. I don't think that he's going to follow through on everything that he said he's going to do. I don't think he's going to give firearms owners back their handguns. I don't think that's ever coming back. 
I I just I just hope that he follows through with at least some of it. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I, I like I said, I don't I don't I don't hold out hope with politicians because politicians are are self serving and they don't if if what they're doing to to help themselves actually helps the rest of us it's pure coincidence well that's a good point and and a good segue uh speaking of self-serving politicians there is a by-election coming up in portage lisgar we teased this out on our show in february because we had interviewed maxime bernier then and you and i pressed him on the, the show when he was with us are you going to run in Portage Lisgar? And he was kind of coy in his response, but announced on uh, this past Thursday, Maxime Bernier is the PPC candidate for the Portage Lisgar by-election. And well, run Max, run. We uh, we kind of called that a cub well, about a month and a half ago when uh, I shared with the audience that I'd gotten a letter from the PPC doing a candidate search and Portage Lisgar was oddly not on the list so we kind of knew it was coming but now it's official Maxime Bernier is the candidate for Candace Bergen's old seat what are your thoughts well, yeah I mean I've shared my thoughts on this before I mean I, I I'm I'm a fan of what Max says I agree with 90% of what he says I, I'm what I don't like is I don't I, I kind of don't like the structure of his party to be honest I don't like how you know he is supreme leader and you you know he's not he's not into having any of his ideas debated and changed um, things like that I, I just I, I don't like how he's splitting the vote on the right right now when we need we desperately need to get rid of trudeau and there's more left than right in this country and uh i yeah it's a tough one because i'm all for more choice i'm all for you know the freedom to run for uh any party you want um i'm i'm and i and i love most of his policies but at this time in history, he does not have a chance of making a difference in Canadian politics because he has, he, people I think are just way more concerned about just getting rid of Trudeau at the moment than they are about actually you know, voting for uh, ideas that they agree with. Well, I will challenge you on that one. And largely because uh, a riding that you might be familiar with was where I lived when I was a teenager, not quite a voting age. And it was the riding of Beaver River in Alberta. Yeah. And there was I knew you were going to bring this up. I knew you were going to bring this up. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I figured you would. <laughs> so in 1989, there was a by-election because the PC candidate MP who won had passed away and it brought about a political revolution in Canada and the best prime minister we never had 
was elected in that by-election and changed the course of Canadian political history. Do you remember her name? Yes, and I'm a massive fan of hers, and that would be Deborah Gray. Yep, I'm also a big fan, and I, uh, I, I just have to give the story for Review Canada because it's been years since I've shared it. I got to meet Deb Gray in 2002, uh, presenting at a federal electoral boundaries commission uh, panel. And it was like meeting a rock star. I was completely speechless. I just kind of said, hi, Deb, I'm Tony. And we and did about five seconds of small talk and then just stood there and stared at her because I was just in awe. And <laughs> how embarrassing. I, <laughs> I had her ear and had nothing to say. <laughs> yeah, well, that happened to me too in 1997. I was at a, I was at a, uh, I was at a Reform Party youth convention in Ottawa, and I met her there. So, because her, her and Preston Manning were there, and so I got to meet both of them. And I was just like you. I was in awe. It was like meeting a rock star for me. And. Uh, and I had nothing to say too. And I had lots of things I wanted to say. And when I met them, I had nothing to say. And uh, and I got to sit at the same table for dinner as Preston Manning. It was it was amazing. It was so great. And uh, I have those those two people, Deborah Gray and Preston Manning, are two the best people that have ever been in politics in Canada. Uh, they were they were good people and and unfortunately good people don't don't get to the like that's and, and I and I just and it's and it is unfortunate because they were good people and uh, with good intentions and and I know where you were going with this because you know that led to you know the reform party sweeping western canada and becoming the official opposition and making you know holding uh you know Kretchen and martin's feet to the fire and you know forcing them to you know uh balance the budget even though they there was little shenanigans in there but yeah i agree with you i do agree with you but it didn't get rid of Kretchen. um and and right now, Justin Trudeau is doing so much damage to this country. We need to get rid of him. We don't need an effective opposition that holds his feet to the fire. He has a minority government and we can't stop him. He has had minority, what, three minority governments in a row and we can't stop him. Like he needs to go. That's the only option is for him to go. We cannot wait for a reform party like entity to rise up and be able to hold him to account. We have the second most seats in the house right now and we can't stop them. We just need to get rid of them. Oh, absolutely. We need to get rid of them. And here's my, uh, okay, Canada, those of you who are a little newer to the show, maybe you don't know this, but I'm a member of the People's Party of Canada. I've met Maxime Bernier twice. Uh, he's been on our show twice and obviously i'm i'm all in for, for max uh i've shared that on my my twitter account and my elections are the 
perfect place for protest votes. In fact, Brian Mulroney called Deb Gray's victory a protest vote back in 1989. And well, that didn't really uh, end well for Brian Mulroney. But no. <laughs> there's a there's five by-elections that Justin Trudeau needs to call. And actually the first of those needs to be called by June 11th. So I suspect that he'll probably call all five of those by-elections at the same time. And I think it's that, uh, that the ground is ripe for Maxime to, to win this seat. Now, Trevor, I know you're you're probably yelling back at your, your radio right now at us because you, uh, you lambasted us once on Facebook about, or on Messenger, I should say, about vote splitting. But let's let's hit that elephant in the room right now. In 2021, Candace Bergen won 54% of the, the overall vote in Portage Lizgar. The People's Party of Canada candidate was just under 22%. So we're looking at 74% of the vote between two candidates. So let's say that Maxime Bernier does split the vote and wins with or gets 38% of that overall vote and 36% goes to the conservative candidate. Well, you're still only dealing with 26% of the vote dispersed along the Liberals, NDP and Greens. So this is a riding where there is no danger whatsoever of anybody but a conservative minded candidate winning. So I'm a, I think this was actually a, a really good choice for Maxime and not just because you and I recommended it and kind of prodded him that way on our show, but it's a, it's, it's a good chance for him. I'd like to see him in the house. And the point he made was uh, that right now, conservatives will still be official opposition, even if Maxime wins that one seat. And then nothing's going to change in the House of Commons if Maxime wins that one seat. So uh, I want to see him in there. I want to see if he, when he gets back to Parliament, if he continues to be the attack dog he's been since he started the People's Party, or if, like you say, he just pulls like a cheap suit and follows his own self-interest. Yeah, I don't think he will. I think that he'll he'll do what he says. Um, he's he's highly critical of the conservatives for for doing that, where they preach one thing during the election or, or leadership campaign, and then once they get into office, they they you know they don't do they don't follow through. Um, and he's right about that, by the way. Like like conservative leaders have have a history of that you know, saying that they'll, you know, eliminate the GST. And then when they get in, they, you know, knock a percentage off every few years, but they keep it at 5%, never get rid of it. Um, they, you know, that they'll do this or they'll do that. And they, they don't even touch those things once they get into office. Um, or they only partially do what they said that they will do. Or, but I mean, or, or the worst of it, where they just completely, you know, avoid any questions about what they said that they would do and we've seen that um, we've we've also seen conservative leaders where they say one thing and then then uh, they get questioned on it by uh, with a softball question from a reporter and they completely change their policy on the fly um and you know we've seen that happen with mr o'toole right and uh, so, I mean, like this is, he, he's right about that. He's right about conservative leaders and how they just don't, they say one thing during a leadership campaign and then a, something that completely different in a general election or even after they've won uh, and become prime minister. 
So, I mean, he's, he is right about that. And, and so I don't think that he will, I think he'll continue to be exactly what we've seen him be because if he doesn't, then he's lost all credibility. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And uh, another point I made to Trevor when I had written back to him on a uh, messenger about the, the vote splitting idea, what I've found out now being a member of both the Conservative Party of Canada and now the People's Party of Canada, is there's actually a different type of people that come to each of those meetings. The, uh, the Conservative Party of Canada, people I meet there, uh, you know, they were typically a little bit older, but, but they are people who obviously know the game well. When I go to PPC meetings, it's the disenchanted voters. I've met a lot of uh, young Jed Zed millennials with young children who are looking for hope. I've met a lot of these old hippies who just want to be left the hell alone. And, you know, they were against vaccine mandates because, well, a lot of hippies are. And, you know, I met a lot of older people who had never voted before who were saying like, God damn, I'm losing my country. So they're not exactly the same people. I mean, I get that, yeah, they're still conservative-minded people in different ways. But yeah, I mean, they're going after a lot of the same voters, but at the same time, they're not going after the exact same people, if that makes any sense. So it's, uh, there's going to be some somewhat of a vote split. I get that. I'm not going to pretend there's not, but yeah, I really want to see Max win this seat. Well, they're, they're, they are going after some of the same people. I mean, ever since Pierre Polyev became leader of the Conservatives, he's been going after the same disenfranchised people that, that, uh, that Max has been going after, right? Good point, yeah. Um, I mean, his, Pierre's entire, uh, you know, campaign so far has been about, uh, you know, restoring jobs and, and paychecks and, uh, and freedoms and rights and all of that, which is all the same stuff Max has been saying. Uh, just, I mean, Max has been saying it a lot more forcefully, uh, but um, but Mac, but 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 the two of them are, like I said, ever since Pierre came uh, won the leadership, he's been going after the same people Max has been, and it's been working for Pierre too. I mean, Pierre, like the the conservative uh, membership is like the largest Canadian political party in history, and not by a small margin either. It's like. I think the membership is twice the size of the next largest uh, party membership in history. Like it's, it's huge. Um, I believe the, the, the conservative party membership is somewhere, you know, just south of 700,000 people or something, isn't it? Correct. So, yep. I mean, so, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's absolutely massive for, a, for a Canadian political party to have that much, that many members and that many people uh, paying to be a member. Like, like they are going after the same people. And I mean, I think that's why you've seen like the PPC uh, message getting kind of lost lately is because of Pierre. I mean, Pierre, Pierre is kind of channeling Max a bit. Right. And uh, I just hope that he, that, like I said, I, I, I hope Pierre does what he says he's going to do. I know Max would. Max would do exactly what he says he'll do. Um, that's something I have no doubts 
about with Max. I believe Max when he talks. I, I just, I just know, I trust that he would, that he would actually follow through on the things that he says he would do. Pierre, I don't know yet because, like Max said, um, he hasn't been elected prime minister yet, and conservative leaders have a history of changing their entire policy book when it comes to a general election or to uh, or once they've won they they just don't follow through on their promises so i don't know I and mean, we'll find out but i i hope that he does but you know he is a an establishment conservative so who knows max on the other hand like i said i trust that he would do and say what he says he's going to do i just i just don't think there's enough people out there that that want to elect a an actual conservative well that's actually a, a good way to, to say it and i know there's a lot of people and i'm sure trevor is going to be writing to us and, and saying this too matt has great ideas but it's not his time we just need to get trudeau out well bear in mind this is just one by-election so uh if there's one by-election, we we elect Max, or we don't. I guess that's uh, up to the people in Portage Lisgar. But I'm just happy that Max uh, took our advice. <laughs> I'm sure he took lots of other people's advice and ours. But whatever, we asked him on the show if he was going to run there, and he is. So we'll take credit for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all because of us. Yep. <laughs> so anyway, best of luck to all the candidates in Portage Lisgar, and I wish absolutely no luck upon our last topic for the day, and that's Olivia Chow. Now, I mentioned to this, this on the show before, Olivia Chow, former city councillor in Toronto, former NDP MP, wife of the late Jack Layton, who was, uh, well, she's got some strange bedfellows. Now this, uh, I just read this last night and thought we have to talk about this. Um, with all the Chinese election interference, in the news lately and that continues to drip out thank you bob fife olivia chow and this actually wasn't from globe and mail but just bob fife has been so good on the rest of the file this comes out olivia chow and uh, this allegedly of course even though there's photos of her at the table <clears throat> met with representatives from I'm, I'm not bsing canada this is the name I will say it slowly so we don't get uh, any kind of explicit language warnings. Olivia Chow allegedly met with representatives from the Fu King Business Association in Toronto, seeking their support for her campaign. Now, uh, the Fu King Business Association, God, it's hard to say that with a straight face, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Yeah. Anyway, the uh, Fu King Business Association actually operates one of those three Chinese police stations that's in the GTA, one that's in an uh, industrial complex in Markham. And one member of that organization, the Fuking Business Stop Association, is also connected to the Confederation of Toronto Chinese Canadian Organizations. And this organization promotes ties with Beijing and with consular officials. And this gentleman, actually endorsed Olivia Chow and campaigned for her in 2014 when she ran for the mayor's chair. And, um, well, this fellow actually also happens to be tied to the Overseas Chinese Affairs Committee of China's National People's Congress. 
That is, in, uh, in English terms, the Chinese People's Republic legislature. That's, that's the government. So my read on this is, whereas many other politicians in Canada are being lambasted for accepting foreign interference on China's behalf, Olivia Chow appears to be seeking Chinese interference in her upcoming election for Toronto mayor. We live in a bizarro country, man. Yeah, well, I mean, Olivia Chow is basically a communist, so I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, but I believe, you know, you should also preface it by saying that she, you know, we is, allegedly she's seeking the uh, interference right. of the Chinese government. But I mean, it's the thing is, is that I mean, anybody who knows who's old enough to remember Jack Layton is old enough to remember Olivia Chow as well. Um, and if you're old enough to remember them, you know they were basically communists. I mean, they're like, they're as close to communists as we've ever had for politicians in this country. And it just blows me away how people revere Jack Layton with such, uh, I don't know, I, I can't think of the word, with such admiration. Uh, it's, I've never understood it. To me, he always came across as a used car salesman. He, uh, he was not a, um, a realistic candidate because his policies were so left-wing I mean, although they do kind of, uh, they almost get overshadowed now by the Liberal Party uh, in terms of how left-wing they were. Um, but I mean, they, they were, remember they lived in social housing when they were, when they were city councillors for Toronto? Yep. Um, they were living in social housing. Uh, they, they, you know, they took advantage of every opportunity they could um, to, to, you know, they, they, they took advantage of programs that they shouldn't have been taking advantage of as far as I'm concerned. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, Olivia Chow, I don't know. I, I, she is, she, she was as far, you know, in my opinion, she was always a very weak politician. Um, she still is. And but the problem is, I think that she is, I think she'll be one of the, you know, top performing candidates in this election because there's these people that remember her fondly and remember her husband fondly. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll see. But uh, yeah, if, I mean, if, if she's meeting with these Chinese officials and, and things, you know, things just don't look good. The optics are really bad. Let's put it that way. <laughs> That's actually the best way to put it. Yeah, I mean, even if she's just innocently, innocently approaching this organization because she happens to know somebody there, for example, I don't, I'm not saying she does, but I mean, yeah, maybe she is just innocently approaching this organization and, oh, whoops, they're connected to Beijing. Oh, I didn't know that. Wink, wink, wink. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, I do think it's ironic that Olivia Chow was a big defund the police lady just not the Chinese police, apparently. 
So we're going to wrap it up there, Canada. Um, Olivia Chow is actually considered the front runner in this by-election. So any of our listeners in Toronto, if you haven't already turned us off for uh, all of our smack talk about the Leafs, um, please don't ignore our smack talk about Olivia Chow. Let's just, let's just wrap it up on that. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I I didn't know actually that she was the front runner, um, but it does not surprise me. I mean, well, I just don't know how I, do, I just don't know how the city of Toronto goes from from having like really right wing mayors like uh, uh, like Rob, uh, Ford. Rob Ford, right, and then and then ha- and then go, jumping over to you know Olivia Chow. Like I, I just don't understand how that happens. Like they're so opposite ends of the spectrum. I don't get it. Yeah. So please don't, Toronto. Please don't. Yeah, just don't. <laughs> exactly. All right, Canada. Well, thank you for joining us. Happy Mother's Day from Tony in Saskatchewan. And from Lewis out here in BC. Happy Mother's Day to my wife and to my mother and to my mother-in-law. Excellent. Way to get them all in there. Good night, Canada. Good night.